Did you know that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day? But don't take my word for it. Well, actually, you should take my word for it. And here's what you need to do. You need to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Zach. That's www.ZipRecruiter.com slash Zach to learn more there about recruiting the best people for your business the fastest, best people fast. You know that fast, good, cheap pyramid? Well, this is doing it all. This is fast, good, and yeah, you got to check out the pricing online. Uh, that's kind of above my pay grade, but Zip Recruiter, check it out. Too, too, too many ads. Here we go. The Zach Kuhn Show. All right, episode 68, Steve Lassiter on the podcast, who has just started a brand new agency titled Reliant Talent. Now, this is very exciting, actually. I like it when people are starting new things. You know what I mean? I like when they start new things and they come on the podcast to talk about them, which is exactly what we're, we're doing here. We're talking about building an agency from the ground up. How do you do it? What does it take? We get into it. We get into the nitty gritty of it. But we also hear a lot about Steve's past. I mean, Steve is a man of, of a lot of, of many talents. We talk about motorcycles as well, the Indian motorcycle, which Steve is a big fan of. You know, I might buy one after this podcast comes out. I might buy an Indian motorcycle at the recommendation of Steve. Have I ever ridden on a motorcycle before ever in my life? No, I have not. But I might start out buying an Indian motorcycle because Steve says that's the way to go. And I might take his advice and do just that. Okay, here we go. Episode 68, Steve Lassiter. Let's dive in. Steve. Yeah. What's happening? Hey, man. How you been? Did you dress up for me or is this your normal? I feel uh, like you're the white one. Uh, this is just a, it's an old Western I just grabbed this morning. That is actually is a he? very cool shirt with the, with the pearls. Yeah, it's, uh, it was on a, a, one of the few clean ones in my closet. So. That's what it takes. You grab one of the clean ones. Are you a big Western shirt guy? Because I'm really into Western I am shirts. Not. You're not. I, I, I have several. Uh, I used to be more of a fan of them than I am now, but I still I kept some of my favorites, and this is one of them. I've had this probably 10 years. That's a great shirt. Okay, we have yeah. we have so much to talk about here. We've got a brand new agency on yes, in do. the works. First of all, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in naming an agency, right? I think you guys picked a really good name here, Reliant Talent. Who yeah, comes well, up with you this know, name? Well, it, it was a combination of several of us um, because we we made a list of our favorites, of course, and the first 10 we liked were not available because you what had were, to check what were name. some of those do we remember uh, uh i think relentless um was one um uh, empire um that's a distri- uh, music distribution company it's hard to pick a yeah. name it's probably the it's hardest really thing. hard okay so you're all so you got like 10 of these you're going through them yeah and and we we check you know the the so the 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 social and and all of that and none of that you know they were either 
uh, too expensive to buy, or there was another company similar or that. And we came, Reliant was in the top 10. And we came to Reliant, we checked out everything and everything was clear. You know, there, now there is, you know, a Reliant bank, there's a Reliant insurance there, you know, but uh, there was not, I, I actually think there wasn't a Reliant entertainment, but there was not Reliant talent taken. So we grabbed that and grabbed the website and and all of that. So that's how we came in and we really like it. It, it, it kind of speaks about us. We're, we're very reliable to our clients. Um, We liable to our customer and uh, you know, we, we have the reputation of being reliable and people we can, that can be counted on to do, to do, to do the work. So I think this is a great, and yeah. it sounds kind of timeless. It sounds like it could fit in with like premiere or concert or like, you know, one of those earlier talent agencies. It sounds like it could kind of sit there. Could have been from the fifties. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. a great name. Okay. So, yeah. we, I mean, I want to talk about this agency, but I want to yeah. go back for a little bit. Your first concert that you ever booked was Ricky Skaggs, if I'm not mistaken. How do you book him? You're working at the International Celebrity Services Agency, and your first concert was Ricky Skaggs. How does that happen? Well, I, I, I got a, I got the job. Um, I had just graduated from MTSU and uh, had been working as a, a production manager assistant for Sound 70 Productions, which was the local concert promoter here that in was Nashville. Charlie Daniels and um and his manager were running the company. Sullivan owned that. Yeah. And so we, you know, back then there was no Live Nation. So promoters back then were independent and they were territorial. Um so you know prior to Live Nation. So there were, you know, Sound 70 handled Nashville, Louisville, uh, they did shows in Chattanooga, Huntsville, Alabama, a little bit of Birmingham and very few in Memphis because Memphis had their own promoter. Birmingham had their own promoter. Louisville had their own promoter. So it was all territorial. Uh, but anyway, so I, I, uh, the four years of college, I was working at, at Sound 70 as a, as a you know, promoter and uh, decided to um, – pursue the agency business. Um, and it, it, it just came to me. I can, I vividly recall the moment in which it hit me, uh, about being an agent. Um, it was, uh, the end of the semester of the year I was graduating. I was sitting in, uh, a copyright law class and we only had about a month left of school and I knew I didn't want to stay in the promoter field. So I kept, well, what could I do? Well, I could work for a record company. Yeah, that's not, you know, no. Well, I could go in the publishing business. Well, I don't really know a lot about that. I could, and then it just kind of hit me. Whoa, I could be an agent. That my skill set from an experience could be helpful with that. And I did have a sales background. Uh, so basically all you're doing is selling talent. You know, I mean, there's a lot more going into that. Be, being an agent is part 
salesman, part attorney, part psychologist, part babysitter. Um, but is that why you were more into the agent side versus the promoter side? You wanted to be the one selling versus the one buying? Well, yeah. Well, I knew in the promoter field, uh, there was, I mean, it's a big risk, you know, and I didn't really have the resources as a, you know, 21 year old, 22 year old to really go out and do it. Um, right. I mean, I, outside of sound 70, I did you know, was, was a hired hand in producing some festivals and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, other than that, and then, uh, in the last, I don't know, through the 2000, the first, first decade of 2000. And I guess my last year was 2015 or 2014. I was the entertainment director for all of the, uh, hog rallies, the Tennessee hog rallies, which is, has nothing to do with pigs. It's the Harley Owners Group of Middle Tennessee. So I produced, I procured the entertainment and produced uh, their events for them, their festivals, which still, you know, I could scratch my promoter side a little bit. But um, anyway, came out of, decided I could be an agent. So I started knocking on doors and um, uh, ICS, as we called it back then, uh, it was a brand new agency owned uh, by two ladies from the industry. And um, I went and interviewed with them, talked to them. I ended up going back five times. And the last time I went in to see them, I just sat them down and said, look, I got five reasons why you need to hire me right now. And they were like, okay, let's hear them. And I can't remember what they were, but I rattled them off and they were like, well, let's show you to your office. And, you know, Ricky was a client, um, a female artist named Charlie McLean. There was a father-daughter uh, duet named the Kindles. Um, gosh, I, I can't really remember who all this, but Ricky was just moving from uh, bluegrass into country. In fact, right. he was just, having his first number one country record and all that. And I booked first show I ever booked was Ricky up on a, a big festival in, in Ohio outside of Columbus. And when I booked it, it came about a week or so out from the show. My boss has said, well, that's your first show. So you got to go, got to go cover the day. That's what we do as agents. You go cover shows. Like, okay. So, so I drove up and uh, arranged backstage and all that. And, when I pulled in the parking lot, there was a, you know, a 10, 12 foot wooden fence. So I could hear the music, but I couldn't see anybody. So I went, peeked around that wooden fence and it was amazing. It was 80,000 people there. Oh my God. And, and uh, it was in a area that's still there today called Legend Valley. And um, it was a great day. So my first show was Ricky Skaggs. And he was on a festival with Waylon and Willie, Leon Russell, and the Marshall Tucker Band, and Ricky Skaggs. And did you get in, or were you behind the fence the whole time? No, no, no. I, I was able to get oh, in. Oh, you got in, of course. And all that. And, you know, but that's my first show that I booked him. Whoa, this is the cool. I can do this. This is pretty cool. Wait, so you go in, so going back to like how you persistently, you know, you were so persistent to get this gig. So you go in the first time to what interview for the job. And then what happens the second or what? They just don't call you back. 
And the uh, second time you I think they were, they, I knew that they were uh, talking to other people. And I think, you know, uh, it did take a little bit longer than I thought, but, um, or thought it should have. But uh, I think when I, when I walked in there that last time, they had already made up their mind. They were going to hire me. Oh, you think so? Yeah. But they told me that. But oh, okay. when I came in there with a little, you know, swaggerness, and told them, hey, I got five reasons. They wanted to hear them. You know, uh, had I walked in and just sat down and started talking to them, they would have probably still offered me the job. But, you know, when I, you know, popped off at the mouth and said, I got five reasons you need to hire me right now. They were like, I know what they were thinking was, well, we're going to hire you anyway, but we want to hear the five reasons. And did that speed up the process? Because sometimes it takes forever for company, even if they say they're well, going to hire No, me. I mean, it was, they showed me my office right at that moment. And how many people were at the agency at that time? Oh, very small. Um, it was those two, myself, uh, a receptionist, and I think that was it. So were you ever an assistant or were you were you an agent just out of the gate never was an assistant um you know just uh, the, the receptionist was my assistant um she you know pr- uh, typed up all the contracts and sent out all the promo and answered the phone and, and did all of that do you think yeah. because historically the music industry is obviously one where there's like, you know, the players never studied the music industry in school, but you actually studied the recording industry at MTSU. Did yeah. that prep you for that gig or, or, I mean, was that a beneficial thing to have that education back in this oh. is the 80s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now there wasn't really, you know, through that uh, curriculum of it, it, back then they called it recording industry management. Uh, now they, call it media and entertainment, whatever. Uh, but it, it, it really focused on recording, music, record labels, music publishing, copyright, um, and all of those processes. Uh, very little info on concerts and being a promoter and, and being an agent. Uh, there was not a class you could take on being an agent or a manager. Uh, but they did, uh, I think the second, third year I was there, they, they actually started having artist management classes. Um, but there was never a, an agency class. There was never a promoter class. And I understand now that there actually are, um, at Belmont and, and I believe MTSU. I took one of them. And, uh, when I, when I was at Berkeley, so, okay. So you're at the, the IIC, ICS, right? For a while, and then you you start working with an agency in Minneapolis, and you're there for like six months. Six months, yeah. And then you you move to WME, and I want to ask a negotiation question here, because there was something where you had like two years left in your contract. They said they were going to let you out early, and you said, fine, but I want 50%. And you held so firmly to this. Is that was that so important to you? Like, what's the negotiation strategy here? What's the story? Can you tell us the story? Because I think this is a good story. Yeah, but but I, I, we'll go back after. Yeah, I came, I came back from uh, Minneapolis, which um, it was a really cool agency. We represented a lot of cool acts: John Prine, Asleep at the Wheel, 
Leon Redbone, uh, Poco, Purpurely, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, some of, the, some of the acts that I went on to represent later. Uh, and one of the owners of the company back then was Rod Essick, who is of now- Of course, that's CAA. Partner at CAA. So, you know, he and I have been friends since 83 um, and still are friends. And we, we ride Harleys together. And now we're riding Indians together. Can you tell me, for someone who doesn't know anything about motorcycles, what's the Indian motor? Is that where is that relative to a Harley? Harley. Indian motorcycles have been around as about as long as Harley Davidson has, Um, but they quit making them. I I don't know exactly when, and they started making them again in I don't know in the last ten years or twelve years. And a friend of mine who still owns the Harley dealership down in Columbia. Um, he used to own one in Franklin, but anyway, through the years, he's always sold it. Anyone who rides a motorcycle in the music business and it was a Harley Davidson, this guy sold them that Harley. There was a bunch of us in the business that, that rode Harleys and rode together on that. Well, then he got into the Indian business. He's still in the Harley business. So then he started selling everyone in the music business that he's, uh, sold Harleys to, he started selling them Indians. And he kept bugging me to buy an Indian. And I told him, I said, man, I know what you're doing. You're just reselling Indians to everybody you sold Harleys. I'm a Harley guy. I'm never switching. I'm never, he goes, yeah, I figured you'd be a holdout. So you're a Harley guy. I get it. Well, I was on my way to Panama City for a bike rally. I had a couple of clients playing and he happened to be on my flight. We were sitting together and him and his brother actually owned the Indian dealership in Panama city. And I told him, I told him, yeah, I'm going to be down here two or three days and blah, 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 and covering client, covering the show up. And I thought, and I thought, well, wait a minute. Do you have a, you have a bike I could ride while I'm down here? He goes, yeah, yeah, I got a bike you can ride. I'll put you on an Indian. Okay. So I rode it. That's all I had to do. Because it just felt it's, good, it looks just, good. And I, I rode Harleys for 25 years. I loved them. I still miss it sometimes, but and I'm not slamming people that love Harley. I know they're very loyal people, but but get all, it I, in the end. all I had to do was ride it. It 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 is a superior bike in handling, quickness, power, uh comfort. Um, you know, my wife loves the Indian. She didn't like riding the Harley. It was too rough. This is a, uh, this is a a words of wisdom here. If you're riding the Harley, give the Indian a try, try it out. All you got to do. And I have since talked to people that are now riding Indians that did the same thing. All I, all they did was ride. All they did. I've got a gallon in Indian. All you got to do is ride. All you got to do is ride it. Okay, so you're at getting back to well before I I went to WME or William Morris, as it was called, uh, I spent about two years with Headline International, which a company that was owned by Ronnie Millsap. My good friend Charles Doris and I ran that agency for him. And we were, you know, we were growing. We had Ronnie, we had Jerry Reed, we had Reba, we had Steve Warner, we had a few others. Um, but then William Morris called. And I went over there uh, in, I think, 84. 
stayed, worked my way up. Um, I actually, you know, signed Charlie Daniels to William Morris Agency in 1987. Uh, so we're, and then got to the end of about 97 and um, I was going through a pretty rough divorce and just, just, just kind of spiraling down and, and um, came to the end of the year and they were like, well, we don't see that you're happy, blah, 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 blah. We're, we're prepared to, you know, if you want out of your contract, we'll let you out of your contract. So I thought, to, thought for a second and I said, well, if I say, no, I don't want out of my contract, they're going to say, well, we're going to make you out of your contract anyway. So I said, yeah, yeah, I want out of my contract. And they said, well, we're prepared to write you a check right now for 30%. I'm like, no, I won't. I said, okay, well, then the litigation starts. Uh, okay. So, you know, I went out. This was in 1997, 90, I think. And it was right before Christmas. So I'll go through the holidays and go through about halfway in January. Uh, hadn't heard from him yet, but I'd already, you know, contacted my attorney and who had handled the exit of other uh, agents that had left the company. And he had made contact with him and just told him, look, he wants 50%. We didn't hear anything. Well, I, about February of that year, um, I bought my first auto case. And they finally contacted me about mid-February. And I was dating a lady that was studying to be an acupuncturist. And the school, acupuncture school, was in Fort Lauderdale. Was she practicing on you? Uh, she, not with needles, but they had to learn, you know, there's the chakras and the meridians and all that. So yes, she would have yes. finding those meridians and stuff on me. I'm very into this. I've yeah, done a lot cool. of acupuncture. And I still go to acupuncture to this day. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, not to her, but <laughs> and that probably wouldn't go over very well. Anyway, so her the school was actually uh, north of Lauderdale, uh, actually a little south of Lauderdale in the area called Hollywood Beach, Florida, between Lauderdale and Miami. And Hollywood Beach is a throwback to the 50s. There's uh, just this boardwalk down the beach. One side is the, the sand and the ocean. The other side are all these little two-story, cool little hotels, little restaurants, ethnic. There's every kind of restaurant you can imagine on there. So um, so I'd go down, I'd ride the bike down and you know hang out down there. Well, her school was from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So I'd get up and walk her down the boardwalk to her school and I'd walk back up and, you know, the toughest decision of, the day for me at that time was where am I going to eat and where am I going to hang out on the beach and what, what book am I going to read today? This is tough. Don't you, but are you the kind of person who gets anxious, not working because here you are on this like meteoric rise in the agency. I know you, it was, you were talking about how you, it was, it was a little bit of a tough time, but do you get antsy if you're not booking shows and doing work or at that time were you okay? First six or eight months or, or weeks, you know, through about the end of January, I was freaking out. 
I was antsy. I was this, I was that. And then it was kind of like, you know, I'm, you know, contractually, they still had to pay me. Right. Um, I was able to, you know, I was divorced at the time, but I was able to, you know, ride by and pick up my kids and take them to school and pick them up and hang out. And, and then I'm hanging out and on, you know, Hollywood beach, you know, and with a, with a, with a beautiful woman and just hanging out and life was good. This just is good. Kind of like, you know what? I, I can, I can do this. So I, the first call is about mid February. I get a call. I'm on the beach. Uh, and I get a call on my cell phone from my attorney and, and they said, uh, well, I heard from them. I said, okay. Well, they came up to 35, 35%. Yeah. 50. Well, you know, it's 35. I said, no. I said, you tell them. I just bought a Harley Davidson. I'm hanging out on the beach in Florida. And if they want to just continue paying me for the next two years, that would be okay with me. That's the contract. Why didn't you say that? I, I mean, I guess that's, you know, you've got your worried and your honor, but why, why not just go with that route? <laughs> right. So I said, tell them it's 50. Okay. He comes back couple weeks later um i'm not on the beach on this call so anyway uh he says okay we got him up to 40 i didn't say anything he goes are you there i'm like yeah well they're up to 40 i'm like i heard you well you're not responding i said because it's not 50 it's we're 50. not there yet you tell them I'm enjoying life. They can pay me for the next two years. I don't care. I have learned the art of relaxation. I'm reading books that I've always wanted to read and I've never had a chance. This, this is the life I'm being accustomed to. So you tell them it's 50%. Same. Moves on to probably 1st of April. And he comes back and says, okay, it's 50. Said, All right. He said, but you can't go back to work till July 15th. Okay, that's fine. I said, I'll take the 50, but you go back and you bump it 15 grand and that's for you. He goes, okay, great. That's a gentleman's <laughs> move, right? Yeah. So when I left, William Morris, I had, gosh, 12, 15 clients. I had Charlie, I had Travis Tritt, uh, Aaron Tippin, Crystal Gale, Lee Green. This is, what, this is what I want to ask you because you did not, everybody thought that you were going to basically poach those clients or take them over. Yeah. And you ended up not taking a single one, right? The, the Why not? Act that, I'm, I mean, I am a real live Jerry Maguire. <laughs> I left the big company with one act and it was Billy Ray Cyrus. When I left, his manager, who was a good friend of mine, called me and said, well, we're with you. Um, it doesn't matter if you don't land anywhere for a while. Billy just wants to take some time off anyway. So we're with you and wherever you end up, we're with you. Okay. So I left with the one act and 
what happened was uh, I cut the deal. Uh, uh, we cut the deal with William Morris, 50%, all that. And then I cut the deal with, with APA, but I couldn't start to July 15. But Billy was wanting to get back to work for the summer. This was mid-May by this time. Yeah, right, right. So we worked it out where Billy actually went to APA before I did. For Interesting. So they were booking him before I even got there. Um, and then um, I arrived there July 15 of 1998 and was there for 22 years. And so what's the secret? Let me like, here's a story really quickly. When I moved to Nashville, I had a haircutter who told me that he was about to leave. And I, I, I saw the same haircutter for about a year. And he told me he was about to leave and start up his own shop. And everybody was going to follow him because they're there for the haircutter, not for the barber shop. So he leaves and he starts up his own shop. And I stayed at the same haircutter. It was too much of a hassle to go over to his shop. What's the secret to securing clients to take them with you? Because isn't it easier for them to just stay where they are, even if the agent switches? How do you, what's the secret to bring a client like Billy Ray over with you? Um, that was his choice. That was his choice. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, I think he was, maybe he was getting tired of, I, I don't know. All I know is I got the call and said, we're coming with you. Okay. We're coming we're coming with you. And you were at APA for 20 years. 20, 22. 22 years. William Morris, 15-ish in APA 22. And, and, um, and one of the assistants at William Morris uh, actually left when I did. And I called him up. And I just said, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do. But wherever I land, whenever I land, if, I'll call you if you're available you got a job. And I called him and he was available as Frank Wing, who's now, he's with me today. Uh, so Frank and I have been together almost 23 years, be 23 years in July. Wow. And uh, so he came with me. But when we walked in to APA, it was me and Frank and I think three other agents. Uh, Frank was an assistant. There was two other. So there, there was a total of seven people. Uh, and we had maybe, including Billy Gray, I think we had eight clients. So we knew and, we had our work cut out for us, right? And when you, by the time you left, there were seven over 70, 70 clients, roster, right? staff, staff of 35 pre-COVID. So how did the conversation start for this new agency? Well, the, the CEO, uh, well, he wasn't CEO at the time. He was running the... Uh, the music department, Jim Gosnell. Jim Gosner. Gosnell, yeah. God, he Gosnell. and I had, 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 for some reason, became friends through the years, hanging out in, you know, music conferences and conventions and that kind of thing. And, uh, and when they, they actually opened, the APA opened a national office in 1995. And when they were going to open the office, he actually called me. And wanted me to open the office with them, and I was still under contracting, couldn't couldn't make the move. So they went ahead and and opened the office. Uh, so when I left, he was my first call, and I just said, "Hey, you know, I can't do anything right now, but let's stay in touch." And you know, once I got my 
deal done with, with William Morris. I called him and we cut a deal uh, knowing I couldn't work till July 15th, but, but cut the deal. Uh, and, you know, stayed there you know, 22 years and built, built, uh, built the office for him. Unfortunately, through, you know, through COVID, a lot of companies had to change and uh, we had to you know, suspend most of the staff. And that's kind of what was, was what created Reliant really is, uh, you know, my desire to keep the team together. So do you go to approach like Matt and Heath with this idea of what if we start our own agency? Actually, How they, does... they approach me. They approach you and what, what do they say? How about this? They just said, Hey, we're, we're kicking around this idea. Um, not really can know how you're going to react to this, but you know, what do you think? Let's go. What do you think of this idea? What do you think? And I said, well, let me, let me get back. To I went back to him and I said, Let's do it. Let's let's take a shot. Let's do it. And we started putting it together. Um, you know, Matt did a and Heath both, but really Matt did a lot of the legwork uh, that needed to be done. Uh, and um, you know, turn of the year, we were able to bring you know six of the team, the agents, and three of the assistants, and. Uh, you know, with with the force majeure thing and the COVID stuff, you, you know, you're you didn't really you didn't have a, a non compete or anything. You just could go do whatever you want to do. And really glad we did it. Um, you know, APA was really good to me for many many years. As Matt and Heath and Frank and Jeff and everybody else. Uh, but it was a uh, kind of well, a lot of people through COVID have seen other opportunities pop up. And that's what happened with us. It was just another opportunity to go do something different. Um, something that I had always envisioned that someday I would do. Um, and it was, it was almost like, well, if you want, someday you wanna do this, you better be doing it. You know, I'm 63 years old, so, you know, if I'm gonna do it, I need to do it. Um, but um, it's worked out great. We brought in, you know, a couple more, a few more agents, and uh, signed a lot of clients uh, since we officially launched it January the fourth. Uh, and we're so happy, and so you know, just nothing against corporate America and the corporate world, but it's just so easy to maneuver. Now we. You know, I don't have to ask a board. I don't have to, you know, go to a CEO and ask, can we do this? Can we, it's kind of like we kick it around and sounds good to me. Well, what do you think? Yeah, man, I think it's good. Yeah, well, if we do it, well, let's just do it. Okay. And if it doesn't work, we've tried it. But we're, being an independent opens you up to trying things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Do you yeah. think also, oh, do you think also when you're going into the agency, like you started out with a smaller agency and you immediately came in as an agent, are there advantages to starting your career at a smaller, more boutique agency than going to a powerhouse and being in the mailroom for two years? Oh, yeah. It, what it did for me um, was 
I was trained booking talent that was hard to book. You know, with small independent agencies with very few acts, um, and you learn learn how to do it, or you don't survive. Uh, and that was the the some of the best training I had was having to do that. And you know, through through the years of of, of building APA, you know, we we managed to build that company without the advantage of big arena acts or big stadium acts or anything like that. So, you know, the guys that are still with us today had that same training, that they were trained booking acts that are hard to book. Um, anybody can, you know, this is no slam against in anyone, but in, in everyone would, would understand this statement. Anyone can book Jason Aldean. I mean, right. that may be a little arrogant to say, but I mean, there is a lot of work to that, but you don't really have to do a lot of selling to book the guy, right? It's easy to sell MacBooks. They, they sell themselves. That, that, that's, that's what I mean when I say anyone can do it. Anyone can't really do it, but, but that's, that's the difference. So in, the, the cool thing too is there's a lot of boutique agencies that have popped up in the last year due to COVID that um, that are comprised of there might be an agent or two from WME and a couple of them from Paradigm and one from UTA and one this one from that one in CAA and the difference between those companies and ours is in those companies you've got agents who have come together who have been competitors for the past 20 years. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out, A, how to work together and how to like each other uh, and figure it out and start from scratch. The cool thing about us is we've already been working together for a long, long time. You guys are right? already a team. 22 years. Jeff Howard, 15, 16 years. Chris Looney, 12, 13 years. Heath. 15 years. Matt McGuire, who is the least, he's been right 10 years. So we've all already been doing this for so long with each other. And that's why we we were able to come out of the gate hitting the ground running. We didn't, we just decided to do it, did the legwork that we had to do to make it happen. And when we turned the corner January 4th, we were open for business and we were let out of the gate rocking. So what have you, so has it been like a, like a really great time to start an agency? Because if you, when you started, you had all this time before you had to even book a show to kind of get your ducks in order because you couldn't even book a show versus in another time, you're probably booking as you're building and it's very stressful. Now you're like, we cannot book. We have to work on business development. Is that kind of how it played out? Um, well, we could book. Um, you know, the, it's just, you know, the, I guess some of the bigger agencies, you know, were the, 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 the party line out there was, there's no dates out here till the fall. Right. Well, we kind of proved that that wasn't the case. 
um, between March and April of this year uh, across our roster of, well, I think we have 40 acts or something. We had 80 shows to play March and April. So we're telling our clients, no, 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 there's, we can, we can get you work now. It's not going to be normal. It's not going to be optimum, but there, there's a few dates out there now. And what is that the drive-in show? Is that what, what is that? What, what were those? Shows, um, some of the outdoor things that were social distanced. Uh, there was a few indoor things, some private shows that were, you know, small crowds, social distance in big, big facilities. So that was, you know, we, we, they were all, you know, socially distanced in, you know, local health approval and that kind of thing. So, but, but, the problem wasn't finding a promoter with uh, you know money in their hand, ready ready to promote dates. Uh, aside from the you know the Live Nations, the AEGs, they they were not making offers. Right. But there's but there's a lot of independent promoters that were, and the problem wasn't finding a promoter. The problem was finding a a venue that was approved to have a show. And, that was the issue. Yeah, and and you know we we figured it out approximately. For every 100 calls we would make trying to find an open venue that's approved for shows, for every 100 calls we would make, we would find maybe three. But what else are we going to do? We're going we're on the phone. We're we're calling venues. We're trying to figure this out. We're we're trying to get our clients work. If there's a if there's any work at all out there, we're going to find it. And we were very successful in doing that. You know, some of the acts, you know, work work quite a bit, but we just happened to find those open venues. What's the What's the secret? Like going to what you said about how it's harder to book, it's easier relatively to book Jason Aldean. Let's say when you pulled Travis Tritt into APA. Didn't you double his business by like 50% or 100% or, and then you did, you grew Charlie Daniels business considerably also. Charlie, we increased his business about 30%. Uh, we, we doubled Travis's business the first year. We How do you do that? Uh, it's just getting down in there and, and grinding it out. It's, it's, you know, it's actually being a booking agent. Um, you know, we, we doubled the business for, for Kansas the first year we had them. We doubled the business for Sawyer Brown. We doubled the business for the Marshall Tucker van. You know, we can go on down the line. We've just been able to do that. And for, for every act we sign, if we don't double their business, we increase it significantly. Um, rare did we lose an act? We did, you know, the, we, we would, at the, the, the bottom part of our business, you know, the developing acts, you know, we would develop them up to a certain level and here comes the big guys. <laughs> so our issue is not booking the established act. We've got that down. You know, we can increase their business. We've proved it time and time and time again. It's uh, taking a developing act, which we find before anyone else does, and raising them up to a certain level and being able to hang on to it. 
if we can hang on to one, we'll hang on to the next 10. And that's been, you know, that's been our, our mission is to hang on to the first one. And we've been trying to hang on to the first one for many, many years. We will. We, I mean, what are our choices? We can either keep trying or stop. Well, we're not going to stop. So the only choice we have is to keep going. How, what percentage of baby acts, quote unquote, are you signing right now to Reliant? Um, we've got, I don't last count, I think we've got about 50 clients and we've got maybe eight or 10 young developing acts. Some of them, I think, are some of the best talent I've ever seen in my life. Anyone we can mention right now to check out, or are we keeping it under wraps? Uh, yeah, you go to the website and look at them and see, you know, you can, uh, the, the website is very user-friendly. Uh, you can go to the roster, you can click on a picture of an artist, and then there will be uh, video clips, music clips, bio, anything you need to go in there. But, but we're, we're very, very proud of our young, young act list from the Scooter Brown Band to... Love the Scooter Brown Band, actually. Tex, uh, band Texas Hill. Who Love was, Texas uh, Hill, too. Um, you know, Travis's daughter, Tyler Reese. She's going to be a big star. Uh, down to, you know, we just started working with this uh, uh, entertainer from Australia named Wesley Dean. Uh, you can check him out. Amazing. They're all amazing. There's not, there's not a clunker in the bunch. I uh, believe it. Reliant Talent, everybody's got to go to the website and go through the Reliant Talent roster. What is it like when you, at APA, APA was a full service agency and I think now Reliant is, I think, just focusing or specializing specifically on music. Are there plans eventually to build out those other wings? Or, yeah. or do you need those other wings if you're just focusing on music? Um, well, the, 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 the vision is to have those other services. Um, but we are providing those services as we have uh, partnered with some other companies to represent some of our clients in those areas. Uh, other companies that are not in the music business uh, or the music touring business. They are sp specifically in the TV and film and reality business, um, uh, branding, sponsorship, that kind of thing. Right, right, so right. partnered with a couple of them to, to kind of offer that service, but not really be in that business quite yet. But we eventually want to, want to bring that in. Um, but, but, we, what we immediately did was our core business is country, country rock, Southern rock, classic rock. And I immediately started looking around going, okay, so what are, what opportunities are there out there that we're missing? Just, you know, forget TV, film and all that right now. What other opportunities are there in other genres of music that we're not in? And the first play we made was in the jazz business and we now represent about 15 jazz acts that are gonna you know not so much this year but in 2022 those jazz artists are going to bring in a significant amount. looking at other genres of music where you know with the jazz business we we hired a, a jazz agent and he came in with you know i think it's 14 or 15 acts so 
what I did back in, um, I did a whirlwind, uh, I call it, a, I guess, a, a just hitting, hitting, the, hitting the trail for the month of April. Um, my wife and I covered 21 artists' shows uh, through the month of April. Holy cow. It's going out and seeing mostly jazz eight, stuff. Eight or nine of those were at one festival. It was a jazz festival. And I had never met these clients before. And that was a way of me coming in, a getting to see their show, getting to meet them, getting to talk to them and welcome them to the agency and and giving me an opportunity to thank them for believing in us and to making the move for us, you know, and, and their loyalty with their agent, of course, was there, but you know, it was just an opportunity for me to get out and, and meet them. And they, artists love that. They love the fact that you take the time to either drive down or fly in and go through security and do all of that you got to go through to show up and watch their show. And, you know, I always try to see them a little bit before the show and always after. Um, you know, agents have been known to do what they call the agent shuffle, which is say hello before the show, stay for two songs and then go have dinner. Um, we don't do that. We stay both. If we can say hello before, that's great. If not, we certainly stay say hello later and, and always comment. And that way they know that you actually stayed there and watched the show. If you can mention, um, if it's, hey, you know, that guitar solo and that that song, blah, 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 blah. Man, that was awesome. They know you've actually watched the show, you know? Uh, but it was great. It was, like I said, 21 artists in about a three-week period. And it, it was, I was a little tired, but it was worth it. And I'm going to do it again this summer. Absolutely. We're going, Reliant is going into the jazz world and to other genres that, that there is opportunity. And have you made it out to the ranch at all, to Colorado? I know you're a big rancher. Um, we did. Uh, that incident you're talking about, um, there was a, uh, a fundraiser in Dallas that my wife was involved with um, for many, many years called uh, Roundup for Autism. And part of the package that we bid on was uh, uh, three days at a cattle ranch uh, where you do a cattle drive in branding. Oh my God. Uh, you know, through the years, I've always had horses and been a big fan. And, uh, you know, I, I think that in my past life, I was a cowboy or a horseman or I rode in the cavalry or something. I just feel like that's where I came from because I, I feel I'm so, so comfortable on a horse. And, we did, we went to this ranch and, and was able to, you know, do a, actually did a two days of cattle drives and two days of calf branding and separate them out. And, uh, you know, it, it was great. And, and, you know, got to see how the real cowboys do it. I mean, it, it's a, it's an old school working ranch. They do it the old way where, you know, you separate the, the mamas from the calves and, you know, you go out and get them and you got to be careful. You, you know, the, it, it was a ranch of, I think, 100,000 acres. Oh, my God. Divided like, you know, 200,000 acres in each one. And, 
they were like, okay, well, the, the cattle is up over that ridge and you're going to go this way and you're going to go this way. And there was probably 20 of us on horseback. And we were uh, about 10 minutes into the drive and the, the young cowboy who runs the ranch, he's only 22 years old and runs the whole ranch. He said, y'all stop for a second. Stop where you're at. Okay. He said, don't move. Okay. He gets off his horse. He pulls his rope off of the saddle and ties and makes a knot in the end of the rope. And he starts swinging around his head and starts hitting. He keeps hitting this bush, hitting this bush, hitting it, just hitting it, hitting it. Did it like 20 or 30 times. And finally stopped, rolled his rope up and walked over, pulled his, pulled his knife out, out of his boot, went down. And it was a rattlesnake about that long. Oh my God. And uh, he said, that's how we kill rattlesnakes. I'd never seen a rattlesnake be killed by a knot at the end of a rope. That's how they do it. That's how they do it. It was amazing. That's how they do it. Steve, we have covered so much here. We've learned a lot too. We've learned that you should give the Indian motorcycles a try. Yep, all you got to do. You have to stay till the end of the show. Yep. And if you can get there at the beginning, that's ideal too. What have we left out? We left anything out. And Reliant Talent. This is the new hottest agency coming out of Nashville. Already with offices in New York and and LA though, right? Yeah, we have a gentleman in New York and a gentleman in LA. Sure do. And just hired our our tour marketing person is also based in LA. Just brought her on a couple weeks ago. The so, national agency. So we're, we're growing. Uh, I don't want to grow too big, and I don't want to grow too fast. Um, you know, we I started out with like seven or eight people at APA, and we ended up with thirty-five. I don't want thirty-five. I want maybe fifteen, eighteen. Comfort level. You can keep your eye on everything. Uh, but yeah, we're we're. I want to, you know build it out. I want to be in these other businesses. Uh, I want to spread out to other genres that we're not in um, and, and just do it that way. You know, there's, you know, we're, we're looking at the, looking at the Christian business. We're looking at the bluegrass business. Uh, we're taking a look at, you know, the blues and R&B business, um, looking at comedy. Uh, we do handle Rodney Carrington. So it would only make sense to build a comedy division around him. Um, you know, we also represent Nelly, so maybe there's we can add, you know, some clients that are also in the you know, that 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 kind of genre. So it's it's uh, it's all encompassing all music genre agency. It's not just uh, country and country rock anymore. It's it's everything. Any talk about looking at some of the influencers that have blown up during the pandemic? And are starting to get out and do little like in-person appearances and things like that would is any you of that what, of interest what a, one of the things i'm looking at with in regards to that is um like yourself okay uh podcasters they're the new speakers podcasters the new speakers that's, that's another area i'm gonna you know i want to 
you know, bring in is the speaking world, the speaking engagements. There's, there's a lot of money to be made in speakers and, uh, you know, it, it, it pays well. And the, the podcasters and influencers are the next speakers. Absolutely. Who so, do you like? No, we may want to come and bring you in as a speaker one day. So. I would be honored to join the Reliant Talent Agency. But that is a business. It's a real business. And it's the future of the speaker world is our, our podcasters. Because, you know, some of them that are, that I'm kind of watching that, that have started speaking engagements, you know, they have podcasts that are having, you know, they have, you know, 10, 12, 15 million listeners. And now they're starting to get a lot of money to go speak. And these guys have bigger followings than like the Joe Rogans, for example, the obvious example, but they have, you have a bigger audience there than you do on any late night show or even SNL or anywhere else. That's where you get the biggest audience. Steve, I've taken you to the hour. Have we left okay, anything else out? You know, I could keep going because I've been doing this for so long. Um, but we'll stop. We'll call it there. We'll have to bring you back in a, in a next year or whatever it is. We'll have to give an update. Yeah, we'll call it a day because I've got, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I've got a lot of stories and a lot of amazing things that I've been able to see, been able to watch. Um, and I've, this is all I've ever done. This is it. And we're back at, we're now, we've put on with the Zen mind, we've put the white belt back on to start. We're in the beginner's mindset right now, going after this brand new agency. So exciting, reliant talent. We're very excited and um, couldn't be happy. Fantastic. Steve, thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Hope to see you again soon. There you have it. Episode 68, Steve Lassiter on the podcast. Kind of a legend, actually. Not going to lie. Kind of a legend. Low key, high key. High key a legend, Steve Lassiter. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for tuning in. The Zach Kuhn Show is part of the American Songwriter Podcast Network. We are proud to be part of this network. It's really a good thing. I would I would look into it. I would check out the network. I also want to tell you something, which is the Zach Kuhn Show is mixed by Sam Heyman, and our theme music is by Justin Johnson. By the way, if you're on this kind of live industry kick, you're like, look, live industry is coming back. Concerts are starting to happening. I want to learn more about this. We've got some other great episodes with some other incredible agents, including Becky Gardenhire of WME. Go back, listen to that episode. RJ Romeo. We had a great episode, actually, with RJ Romeo talking about the live business. What else? Have we had any? Oh, we Jordan Berger. Oh, my God. A great episode with Jordan Berger of Madison House. Go back and listen to that one as well. But look, thanks for listening. If you, if you never listen to another episode again, I want to thank you for tuning in today to the Zach Hewn Show, episode 68 with Steve Lassiter. Um, that's it. I think that's it. Anything else? Did I leave anything else? Nope. Nope. That's it. Okay. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.